HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Tillit NYC, hospitality uniforms for work and life. Look better, feel better, cook better. Visit us at tillitnyc.com. That's T-I-L-I-T-N-Y-C.com. I'm definitely more of a physical labor person. Like I'd rather come in just clean, but there's always so much to catch up on or meetings and emails. I'm thankful that Lonnie is here helping. Uh, she definitely takes a lot off my plate. What's going on with that? Well, she's sitting here, so I don't want to say anything uh, about her that would make her feel secure or um, too appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're still looking at having her be the GM when we open. Welcome back to The Build, the newest season of Opening Soon. We're your hosts. I'm Alex McCreary. And I am Jenny Goodman. Before we dive into this week's episode, we wanted to let our listeners know that the crowdfunding for Ursula is still live and you can find out more information on how to support Eric and the team at Ursula in our show notes. So just going to give a quick recap from the last time you heard from us. We talked about many things, money, honey, one of my favorite topics. We talked about loans. We talked about Eric getting asked for proof of his LGBT status. There was talk of compromising grinder accounts. I don't know. And we explored different ways in which money flows in and out of the building process. If you haven't realized by now, after listening to the first four episodes of this season, there are a lot of pieces of the puzzle to opening a restaurant. So much more than, you know, just finding a space, you know, putting some money in a bank account, putting a sign up and, you know, saying, hey, we're open. So one of those additional pieces of the puzzle is putting together a team, one that not only has your back, but also that helps evolve your concept into a real life creation. Right, Jen? Yeah, and sometimes it's really hard. You start with this really small team and you're thinking about scaling and, you have the small team that really works together organically, but then you have to put some structure in place and that's for the good of the team. So in today's episode, we'll be hearing more from Lonnie Holiday, who's currently Ursula's project manager at this point in our story, as well as some of the other voices that help bring Ursula to life. So we're here at Ursula today just to do a catch up with Eric and chat with some of the Ursula 1.0 employees and 
say it's 11 a.m. and they're in full swing. They got several tickets up and the team is moving like a restaurant does in Symphony. Um, they have a small kitchen with five people behind the line. And there is a wonderful picture circa 1980 of Ursula, which is Eric's grandmother on the wall. Okay, we're rolling. Hi, can you tell us your name? I'm Grant. Grant, and tell us what you do here at Ursula. I'm a barista. I'm a, a front of house person. How long have you been working here? I've worked here since the first week, which was maybe two years ago. What do you love about working at Ursula? I love the freedom I have to be how I am and dress how I want to dress and, um, you know, schmooze how I want to schmooze and, you know, all of these things. Like, I kind of feel like if you work in front of house, there's this, like, expectation to sort of, you know, be charming, but, like, on the terms of the people who are running the restaurant. And, like, I'd say most of the time, they don't have the tools to do that. That's why they hire, like, us to do it. So it's nice to be able to, like, employ my own, you know, tactics to be a good hospitable person like to others you know what are you excited about for Ursula 2.0 alcohol officially on the on the record no <laughs> what are you most nervous about I would say this is probably the most integral I've ever been to a, a restaurant opening but and I feel like um the thing that makes restaurant openings exciting is also the thing that makes them sort of stressful, which is the, you know, what happens day to day and like, what are the systems, you know? Um, working here for two years has been great because I know what to expect when I come in. So opening a new restaurant, you know, presents a good opportunity for like, you know, just a diversification of tasks. And like, I like problem solving and there are a lot of problems that come with opening, <laughs> being on an opening staff of a restaurant. What are some of the problems that you're anticipating? Oh my gosh, like where, where the fuck are the cups? Like what are we serving today? Like who's coming in? Wait, there's like only two people here, but we have a restaurant that needs six. New staff, you know, that's a, that's a great example where you, know, you just have like new people come in and that you meet some of your best friends, which is what has happened here. And then Sometimes they come in and you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I'd have to deal with this personality every day. You said that you're most excited about um, the addition of alcohol to the business. Tell me, in, you know, in reality, how will that change the vibe, the space, the customer, yeah. check average, like all of, some of those things that are pluses for, for you guys? Well, you know, alcohol is kind of side speak for, you know, an expansion of menu. I think more so than the like literal addition of alcohol. I mean, I feel like if I really, really was excited about the money aspect, I would not have chosen the life that I sort of chose. And so uh, I'm more excited about the idea of like having dinner because um, I've worked dinners with Eric before and like under the Ursula sort of umbrella. And I love the way dinner feels. There's like an excitement of it. The um, Ursula 1.0 that we're standing in now is counter service, obviously. Yes. How do you think that all change just your day to day and your interaction with the customers by being able to like walk out of the counter? I think that the skills that I've developed doing counter service, there's like a quickness to it that I've really honed in on, will make me like I think a better, more engaging, like sort of 
interesting server than when I got here in the first place. What are the customers saying about the new space? Their, their faces only drop a little because we're not moving very far, right? But they're very loyal, I would say. And um, I think they're probably experiencing a similar like um, feeling about the expansion of dinner and, you know, sitting down and alcohol and all of these things that like I would say that I'm excited about. Well, thank, thank, you. You. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Tell us your name. Oh yeah, um, my name is Sandra Gonzalez. I'm the sous chef at the current Ursula BK. And what does Ursula mean to you? Oh, I mean, Ursula, I think really was like, is the reason why I'm gonna have a career in the food industry. Every Friday is a space for me to like learn and develop my skills, my confidence, like truly like learn how to be a leader. And uh, so this is going to be like a very like big developmental part of my like life. How's it, how's it different from other restaurants you worked at before? It's the first place I think I was in where I felt like I could be myself, especially when it comes to terms of like gender and like sexual identity. Uh, it's a place where I felt like, it's the first place I felt like I didn't have to like hide any part of myself and could just like show up as me. And I think that's very special and it made me realize I don't have to be afraid of just being myself wherever I go from here on now. previous episode of The Build, we talked about money, 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 and what's one of the biggest line items on every restaurant's P&L? It's payroll. So we often say at Tillit, and I know a lot of my friends who are chefs and restaurateurs often say, we are in the people business. And that's because in many ways, your staffing costs are non-negotiable. And if you're aiming to run a business that is sustainable, not just sustainable for the environment, but sustainable for your employees like Eric is trying to do, then you quickly have to solve this important piece of the puzzle. That's right. Last time we heard from the hilarious Lonnie Holiday, who was uh, still deciding whether or not she was going to be able to join the Ursula team as the general manager. And now that she is on board, uh, Lonnie will be joining Eric in you know, trying to figure out how they can um, create a living wage for their team members, um, which in New York is not super easy, but um, they've done that before at, at his previous iteration and uh, working out an even better way to do it this time at Ursula 2.0. So speaking of the staff, um, you know, I know there was some training and some introduction and walkthrough to the space. Tell us about how that went and about some of the new policies and procedures. And I know, Lonnie, you had been working really hard on an employee handbook. So tell us about how the rollout of that is going and the perception from the team. It's good. I am actually uh, really excited about, you know, what we're going to be able to create in this space in terms of to be able to have the opportunity to kind of reimagine or or put our stamp on a structure that's like our vision for the future of what a hospitality space can be is and, and we have over the last two and a half years but we've also learned a lot it's just like you know obviously when you move to a new space um you get this chance to kind of like review like what works what doesn't work and like i didn't have a hand in what he created over there so it's like i get to kind of see what's been working for him and if these are your goals and this is what you have in place and these things work and these things don't like what can we do to finesse 
working through that with Eric has been like pretty straightforward. I feel like any idea that I've come up with or iteration, like I feel like we're just on the same wavelength in terms of like, what is the outcome that we want to be able to produce? Reaching what we want to create is the priority. But, you know, I mean, the thing that I think is really cool is we've, we've pulled together a handful of sort of like policies and ideas and like guideposts really that structure and underpin the opportunity for Eric to really get a fuller, deeper, clearer sense of the financial picture and health of Ursula as a whole. We have created the opportunity for the staff to maximize their personal like income and earning. And we have given them, we're going to be giving them tools to really understand how to do that, what that means. So we're pulling in elements of like open book management, where we're going to be like making available at all times, like key performance indicators for, to use some corporate speak, right? It's like, what's our labor this week? What's our food cost this week? What are our goals? Where are we at for the year? Really being able to look at that stuff at a glance so that people can not only really enfranchise in like a deeper way, as opposed to like, what am I just working on in front of me? But really like, it's a place where conversations can start around a deeper understanding of how businesses run in general. We are introducing a credits system so that we can kind of add to the compensation package without, being paternalistic around a family meal. So right now, family meal is basically like, people just order whatever they want to eat. And there's kind of almost this weird vibe of like, oh, it should just be a burrito. We're going to be issuing for every shift they work a certain like X number of credits that they can spend in house. It'll kind of just be for the week, right? So it's like, if you want to save all your credits and splash out and have dinner or drinks with your roommates on a Friday night, like live your life. But every single thing has to be rung in, period. And so all of these things kind of go together and support people making more money and everybody's going to be making the same across the board baseline. We've made it as equitable as possible. We've made it as transparent as possible. We've given people as much choice as possible and all of the tools and pieces of information that we're using to make all that stuff happen all support the whole system in this sort of circular way. We feel like in terms of the whole landscape of working in a restaurant in New York City, we're giving a lot and we're also going to be expecting a lot, right? Like, well, and some of this, I think, too, is, is like, security and flexibility, um, but also empowerment mm-hmm. in terms of the, like, credit thing. I know that with my experience in restaurants, um, you have a friend that comes in to sit at the bar. And it, this is the kind of thing, when you when you go to a bar, like, you want your friend to hook you up. Like, you don't mm-hmm. want to pay for anything. That's why you go to the one, the bars or the restaurants where your friends work. So they give you free shit. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm very much into that kind of hospitality. If one of my uh, staff's mom comes in for dinner, I'll, I love moms and I'll feed her everything on the menu. But I don't want this kind of free-for-all where friends come in and everyone just starts pouring them uh, free wine and then none of it's being tracked. Mm-hmm. And I know that through my experience, I never really felt comfortable or empowered to comp or give things away to tables. And this way, 
there'll be enough of that like credit for them to have their own meal, but it's also empowering them to use it for whatever they want. So if they want to hook up their friend, they just have to ring it in. But it's giving them some tools to be hospitable, to take care of their friends, but also the accountability model. Mm-hmm. And in, in which case, with these kinds of tools and um, power for them, it's also going to be like a zero tolerance for any kind of theft. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that makes so much sense when you, again, make people responsible for the expenses. You give them tools to be able to have some of those perks. So you change the pay structure. If we're hitting our numbers as a team and we're doing what we need to do as a team, then as a team, we can we can all get bonus. Well, not us, but the team can get bonuses. And so that also kind of puts this element of like, if you're, you know, if you're stealing from the store, you're stealing from your friends too, right? Well, and also like an, a way to incentivize the work and the upselling of different dishes and items because we're, we're giving them the information that it's like, this is the, the most that we can pay you as a base rate mm-hmm. in a sustainable way. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, everybody wants to be making $28 plus tips, but that's just not sustainable. So we've looked at some different projections and it's like, this is how much we can sustain Mm -hmm. um, if we're hitting these numbers. But then if we go over that, then there's opportunity for you to make more. Because I think that that's a problem that a lot of younger workers don't fully understand. They want to walk into a place and have X dollar amount as a base wage. And it's like, yeah, that would be lovely, but then you're going to bankrupt that business and then you're not going to have a job at all. Mm -hmm. And the idea is job security, financial security, um, but also financial responsibility. You switched the pay model, right? Because you used to have tipped people front of house at 1.0, if I remember correctly, and now you have the flat wage and everybody gets the tips. So how was that received from everybody? Uh, I was really nervous about presenting it to everyone <laughs> and I was like I didn't sleep the night before I just expected a lot of negative feedback to be honest it's a really great system it's just that some people were coming up and some people were coming down for a base rate but if you stop and listen there's a greater earning potential if you were coming down because uh, it's like you can either work off of this pay scale and not be a part of the tip pool but that's your ceiling always um, or we bring you down, you can be part of this. And then I use the historical numbers over the last eight weeks of what the tips look like and showed them how much it would be if everybody was part of that, but also were brought up to a certain um, pay rate. And it's like, look, you guys are still all gonna be making money now. And also there's so much conversation and we saw this happening when um, Union Square Hospitality and a lot of these other restaurants tried to go into a no tipping model. Everybody talks about equity in the restaurants, but when you actually have to be part of the process, then all of a sudden your mind changes because you had a server who was taking home $250 a night. And then once you're in this no tipping uh, model, and your ceiling is $25, they're like, wait, I'm just gonna go back to the old, yeah, the old style. And especially in spaces like ours, people want to be um, progressive. They want to change the system. Um, and they say that, but this was a really good opportunity for us to see who actually believed that and was willing to be part of that process. 
and it seemed everybody seemed to be very warm to uh, the idea. So it's like, yeah, your base pay is going to change, but that's not the whole story. The whole story is we've completely restructured your compensation package, and here's what it is. For some of you, that will include a change in a downward direction. You'll be making less per hour than what you have before. But that only would be a bad thing if you didn't understand that it's like a total restructuring and from what we've projected, you'll be able to take home more money, right? And with the other tools that we're gonna give you, it's we're, we're trying to structure it so that everyone can actually just make more money. And just really like making sure that people understand we're not just plucking you from the 1.0 putting you in the 2.0, everything's the same except you're making less money. Like, no, we're in a new space, new revenue streams, new hours, new earning potential. It's a restructuring. Um, and the restructuring is around equity. And the thing that I've appreciated so much about working with people who are at the beginning of their careers, who have this like idealism and this like real earnest care for the hospitality industry and really like these sort of radical ethics that do often come along with like A, being in a queer space, but being in hospitality in certain areas of hospitality is like, people were super down with it. Like this is the wave of the future. We are very fortunate because the kitchen is open plan. You can't do this everywhere. The, the way we're able to do it is we're structuring the air quotes, back of house people to have service components as part of their role. Well, and they'll be trained on the POS. The cocktails mm -hmm. are batch are batched so mm -hmm. anybody can make a drink if we have to. Mm -hmm. It's a, well, we, the idea that the, everybody can step into everyone's position. Mm -hmm. We're really lucky because we're rebuilding the system and we're able to purposely integrate to work with the stupid laws as they stand so that we can have a situation where if you work 10% of the hours of a given week, you're gonna get 10% of the tip pool, regardless of front of house, back of house, and I'm using air quotes, cause. Yeah, cause it's all front of house. It's all house. It's all house. It's all house. I like that, it's all The house, house of Ursula. <laughs>
along on this whole journey. So if you're interested in getting some fresh gear for yourself or for your team, give us a visit at tillitnyc.com. That's T-I-L-I-T-N-Y-C.com. Most restaurateurs will be able to relate to the story we'll hear from Eric today, unfortunately, having to deal with customers that are disrespectful to your staff and your space. Do you remember if we had any disgruntled customers while we were opening goods? I don't think we had, you know, anything that compares necessarily to Eric's story, Um, but we definitely had upset customers. And then we also had, you know, I think part of the challenge that Eric will probably see a little bit as well as sort of growing into a new neighborhood. I think that, you know, our location at the time um, was developing. And I remember that there was a business across the street that was not exactly happy to have us there. And so sort of went out of their way to make it uncomfortable for us to operate. Um, but I think, you know, as long as you you rely on your team the way that that we know that Eric will, that there's ways through that and to stay positive on your business rather than, you know, um, fighting against it. I think that's also a lesson learned too. It's like Eric's been really cognizant of integrating into his community and making sure to engage the community, which is something we didn't necessarily do in advance at Goods, which is probably a fault of ours. I would agree with that. So we think many folks can learn a lot from the story you're about to hear with Eric and how he and his team handled that situation that was very challenging and very tense. So let's take a listen in. Today is Thursday, March 16th, 2023. This week um, saw a major bank collapse and um, rebound. And kudos to the uh, U.S. government for sort of jumping quickly and making sure that that didn't trickle into more banks and more businesses, small businesses. And then uh, in exciting news for me, but not as integral to the world, the NCAA tournament has started today, so I'm very excited. Um, and then also we are also catching up with Eric C., of course, and seeing where we're at with Ursula 2.0. And tell me about the employee handbook, because I know that's been like a big thing. Well, I think some of the stuff we're trying to make sure is happening is that there's just more structure. Because um, it's easier for everyone to navigate. And also did some stuff um, was brought to light for like having more conversation um, around uh, safety and communication. We had somebody that came in this weekend um, to 1.0 that was upset that she has been waiting for 12 minutes for her chicken sandwich and went off on a rather unhinged um, tirade against the staff and myself, calling everyone the F word, saying that spread hepatitis, that only uh, real men and real women can have babies, um, and showing us a picture of her child, reminding us that her child's not non-binary, and... Uh, it went on for a little bit, but um, got her her refund and made her way out eventually. But it was just a little triggering and traumatizing for the staff to have to like deal with that. We have been really lucky to have this space that is kind of insulated um, where when we're on the inside of it, we feel comfortable and safe and 
don't feel so vulnerable, but we forget that we live in a big city and um, there's no force field around this space just because we have that love and protection inside doesn't mean that we're not, not vulnerable to somebody that comes in that feels threatened by our presence. Um, so just more communication on how to make sure that everyone feels protected and supported in those situations. That is quite traumatizing. So what, how do you, how do you coach your staff to handle customers who are abusive and disgruntled? Um, I think there's more conversation to be had about it as much as my um, pride and ego want to sit at the forefront of that and curse right back at somebody. I'm a a big proponent of de-escalation in those situations, especially when you can tell that somebody's mentally unwell because you don't, you don't know what kind of person they are, how they're, how it's going to escalate and create levels of unsafety for anyone that's not in the space at that time for any of the customers in the future. This particular person lived on our block too. And we're in a, I think that sometimes when you feel threatened and you want to take certain action, you forget that we're in a stationary place. Like we're going to be here every day. And so if you choose to escalate a problem, um, you don't know what kind of retaliation may come on the back end of that. And so I'm of the notion of the de-escalation method, if you can. So it's, it's that kind of conversation, making sure that we all have the proper communication information that we all need to, uh, get a customer or a person out of here. Like I wasn't unaware that this person was using those kinds of slurs. Uh, when I went upstairs, I just saw that there was, that she was shoving her baby in everyone's face and that the staff looked uncomfortable. So I just tried to jump in and see what her issue was and get her out. Um, it would have probably had a more, uh, defensive stance if I knew that the first thing that she was saying was calling everyone the F word. So I probably would have had a different reaction, but I only was able to approach the situation with the information I knew. So if there is a higher level of threat, like how do we make sure that that's communicated efficiently and safely? That's part of the conversation to be had. It's, I think that's part of a handbook and something that not every business has to consider, but being part of a vulnerable community. Um, it's definitely an important chapter to have in the book. Yeah. I'm trying, I'm like thinking about our handbook and we have, you know, anti-discrimination and anti like hate language based on customers and vendors, but the physical proximity to the customer is so different in the hospitality industry than in many other businesses that it's true. can, you know, it's can be really scary when you are, like you're saying, are a vulnerable population what do you do as a business owner in, um, you know, in the aftermath, like after that happened, how do you, you know, talk to your team and reassure them that they are in a safe space? And how do you sort of, how do you react to that? You know, once the dust has settled, the customer is gone. Uh, some of it is just 
open dialogue. It's the kind of thing too, though, where it's like there's adrenaline, or it's like when you're in an accident, you don't recognize that you're hurt right away. And so even in that moment, right after it happened, everybody was kind of laughing about it and commiserating um, when she finally left. But then after it set in and it was like, oh, damn, I feel very violated and vulnerable by that. Um, Then you start to think about it more and you're like more upset. Um, And I had to leave from here to the 2.0 to go work on some stuff. And it wasn't until like, 45 minutes later that I was even like, Oh, that was a lot for us. And so I text the front of house staff to thank them for enduring that. And simultaneously got a text from Hender, the sous chef that they had decided to close for 15 or 20 minutes just to kind of debrief and let everybody recenter and talk it out. And I think those, those kinds of opportunities where you get to take a pause, take, control of your business and just see where everyone's at how they all feel about it um we have a we have a group text right now the people that were there to kind of discuss how they felt about it so yeah i think it's just making sure that there's there is conversation to make sure that everyone can express the way that they felt in the situation my call after this i'm talking with a a trans drag performer that i know about coming in this next sunday at the same time that this woman came in to just come do a quick little number to kind of remind the community of who we are and also just remind the staff that they're loved by their community. So I think it'll just be a a fun way to kind of recenter everybody and make everyone feel loved and supported. And a reminder for all the people in the community and the neighborhood and the customers of what kind of space this is. up next on the build have you seen that meme with like the three spider-mans all pointing at each other yeah that's that's what it's been like and we're like in the middle of them the build is produced by armin spingen taylor early matt patterson alex mccreary and me jenny goodman and a special thanks to eric c and lonnie holiday for all of their willingness and time to share with us on this journey A very special thank you to the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts for their support of Taylor's work as the Julia Child Writing Fellow. Our audio engineer for this episode is Armin Spingen. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Opening Soon is powered by Simplecast. Opening Soon is a production of Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you, Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. He used to go to the bar with his like really ugly baggy like Czech chef pants and they had stains from putting his tongs in the pocket, which is so nasty when you think about it. But anyways, but now. Still came home with me from the bar. Okay. Those dirty chef pants on. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hot mics, hot mics. Oh, they're really hot. Yikes. <laughs> this is a PG pod. This is a PG <laughs> podcast. <laughs>